I'm Ingrid Hernandez. And I'm Christina Pernforce. We are two unlikely best friends navigating the world of entrepreneurship, motherhood, and all that it brings to life in general. Between us, we have about 10 different careers, worn countless hats, but more importantly, numerous types of shoes. From combat boots to ski boots, we've professionally handled them all. And in this podcast, we like to discuss and share the nuggets we picked up along the way and learn some new ones from our fabulous guests. As entrepreneurs, life's a juggle. Marketing, sales, client services, finances, and the list goes on. Let's face it, it's tough. But our motto is, life's too short not to wear high heels. And every hour can be a happy one. Welcome to the High Heels Happy Hour. Cheers! Welcome, welcome. I should do what Christina does. Da, da, da. So today, you guys have Ingrid today. And I have a guest. This is not Christina. Christina is at home with her mama. She's taking care of her mom in Sweden. So I miss her, but I think I have a good stand-in today. I have a good guest, and I'll tell you about him in a second. But um, welcome to High Heels Happy Hour. And this is a podcast where we pretty much talk about everything. So if you're coming back, Thank you for your love and support. And if this is your first time tuning in, about time. Okay. So as always, we do a a check-in and a life hack. So for my check-in is, and this is something we do kind of all the time. We do like a little check-in, mental health check-in. It's been great. I do have a surprise for the kids coming up. So I'll share with you later what I'm going to do. So other than that, my week has been pretty good. And for a life hack is... You know, we always think about October, we do a, what is it, mammogram, so you do like a boob check. When you get older, you have like a bone check, then you have heart check. (laughs) This is your uh, life hack and reminder to do a brain check. So if you haven't had any um, just mental health check, just to see where you're at, please do so, especially during the holidays, kind of see where you're at family coming in or maybe family you don't have anymore. It's really important that you kind of see where you are mentally, just to prepare you for what's to come. So with that, I'm going to introduce to you my guest. And I have little notes here. So Mr. Adrian Marquez is a retired Marine Raider. And he went from a veteran, well, not went from, he's still a veteran, to a licensed mental health counselor. And he's actually the director of behavioral health at Emerald Medical and the CEO of the Sheepdog Corporation. He is an amazing father of four and an awesome husband. Not of four, of just one. <laughs> so without further ado, and I'm pretty sure if he has something that he would love to share, he'll say a little bit about uh, more what he did or does. But this is Mr. Adrian Marquez. Hi, thank so, you guys for welcoming me. I'm uh, honored to be the first male guest. Please, I surprise. This is our first male. Is there anything that you want to add? No, I think you got it pretty well. Pretty good. Just okay. Excited to answer whatever questions you guys. So with that, so I made a post on our Facebook page on the topic that we're doing today. So with mental health, and you all know, I am super. I just love anything to do with mental health. I just think people 
we don't talk about it enough. And um, something that we talked, we brought up was ketamine therapy. And we had quite a few questions come up in the post. I thought, what better person than you to talk I'll, about ketamine? I'll, I'll take it. Sure. I'll take it. Okay. I, I mean, I've known Adrian for a little over a year. Yeah. One of the things I love is I've seen a lot of people that I know and not even don't know come through here. And he just has this ability and this heart of just seeing people on the other side, meaning on their way to healing, which is really rare when it comes to mental health. Because sometimes I feel like people put band-aids on stuff, whether it's medication um, or just enough of a session to be like, oh, well, next session we'll, we'll continue. And it's like, you never have that sense of like, oh, I'm finally getting some relief. Mm -hmm. So for me being, you know, seeing Emerald Medical and seeing you as a part of Emerald Medical, it's been like night and day. So I figured I can't hold them hostage to nobody know about him forever. So, which is why I thought this would be great. So we're going to talk about ketamine. I appreciate that. That was really nice. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's true. So I really in, um, have have seen so much come out of come out of here, come out of what you do, and it's just really people just need to know that there is. I guess what am I looking? But there is hope. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times we you feel helpless, hopeless kind of like um when it comes to trauma you're like you sure. this has always happened this way and it's going to continue happening this way and it's one of those things that if you just give in to like not trying and you're like well this nothing really ever good happens to me it's like one of those things you invite versus be like well no like from now on good things are going to happen and it's yeah. having that mind shift and sure, yeah. I, I think just you giving someone and you know sometimes people know but it's like when you have somebody that you can just talk to and just be like blah, 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 and you're like yeah I got you it's like wait you understand what I'm saying and that is something that you have and I think it's a gift to I be able really appreciate that <laughs> I think that'll be the first part to kind of like to, 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 to piggyback on top of like for anybody that's looking for yeah. counseling or has tried it in the past and felt like it didn't work uh, just know that there's there's so many different approaches to psychotherapy and, and, and the work and you have different you know psychotherapists out there that have different ways of looking at psychology and attending to different issues so i mean shop around find one that like works for you find one that connects with you um, find one that you feel is actually paying attention or, or, or helping you inside of those spaces if you're not getting i mean give give the therapeutic process a, a chance with that individual but uh you know if you feel like they're not actually trying to help you achieve your goals or get to those places or working on goals with you um fire them <laughs> find someone else you know but continue to work don't let it be something that stops you from working on you i'll be the first to say that there's a lot of bad therapists out there you know they're, 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 that's one of the reasons that gravitated me to, to come into this field uh, having a heart and feeling a calling to want to help people. So uh, don't let any past bad experiences you might have had uh, with past counselors stop you from continuing to work on your journey. That was that was greatly said, too. Huh? Not too shabby. Okay, so you ready? I'm ready. All right, so ketamine therapy. Okay. All right, so Adrian, how does it work? 
Okay. <laughs> no, great question, especially people that are interested in ketamine therapy. They've heard about ketamine therapy or all the psychotropics. There's all the psychotropics are those different types of medicines used to try to bring about some uh, altered state of consciousness. They have a bunch of different benefits in there. And again, it's going to come down to who you're working with and what their approach is on there. Uh, ketamine therapy in itself is it's uh, a unique, different medication uh, that's utilized. And it's one of the first ones that's being seen as a uh, uh, being approved for, for medical use, for clinical use. It is usually administered one of two different ways, through a nasal spray or through the IV method. And ketamine therapy has a really great way of helping people, uh, if you wanted to get the scientific about it, for the first how does it work answer. Once ketamine is absorbed by the body, it metabolizes very quickly. Uh, it turns into a, a metabolite of norketamine, which works as an NDMA uh, receptor blocker. And that helps us with that receptor is the one that helps a lot of the things that you've experienced in your life get processed into long-term memory, different sensations and emotions, kind of builds that pattern inside of your brain. Another thing that it does is it has a secondary metabolite, a hydroxynorketamine, which works as the amphoreceptors, which helps to stimulate neuropathway generation. So it really helps to ignite the neuroplasticity capacity of a person's brain. So while it gives you this capacity to not initially react or feel the same way that you've always felt about certain things. It also turns on another part of your brain that helps you create new pathways. Now, if you looked at a person's mind underneath of a, you know, an MRI cap, the normal path thought path or pathways that they have, there'd be some lighting, a lot of light ups, a lot of connections happening. But when a person's under a psychotropic, it looks like an intense fireworks display. You know, the, the, the medication, when it attends to you, it causes parts of your brain to communicate that haven't talked for a very long time or never maybe even made those connections before. And it gives us this process, this space to kind of get out of our own way, uh, not to immediately react or think or perceive things the way that we've always perceived them to be and open up that other part of our brain to try to make new neural connections, uh, new pathway formations to try to restore some of those spaces. I heard, get out of your own way in a party. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Okay, so I'm gonna go over a couple of questions we have here. I think you answered a few of them together. Another question that was asked was, can it help with treatment-resistant depression that has not improved by other therapies? Yes. So that's actually one of the main reasons why people be referred to participate with ketamine therapy. They've tried other depression medications, anxiety medications, and they haven't had benefits with it. Big benefit of ketamine therapy is that while a lot of medications usually take several weeks or even months to start to see effects, with ketamine therapy, you start to see effects almost immediately. You know, within that following that session or within the first few weeks, um, you start to see this, what we call this window of plasticity, you know, the way that the medication works within the brain and the release of glutamine in that space. You have this capacity for new neural pathways to be formed, and you see almost an immediate reduction of a lot of symptoms. Um, but then there's also that space of how you're going to continue to attend to your therapy and the treatment protocol um, that happens. That's another, I guess, question to kind of add into how does it work. The difference between like the nasal sprays and the IV treatments as well. And the IV treatments usually go to a place that's going to have a protocol, which would be sometimes six sessions, sometimes eight sessions. Um, and wherever you go, please do not think that ketamine therapy is something that should be just a standalone treatment. Mm -hmm. It should be done with some kind of behavioral health intervention, some kind of a therapeutic process inside of it as well, too, as far as getting prepared for what the process is going to be like, what the experience is going to be like, and the integration that you should be doing in between those sessions as well, too. Uh, processing the cognitions and the images and the, and, the, and the discoveries that you have within those sessions. So that's the IV side. And the nasal spray side, 
That's usually administered every so often. The person's going to come in and continue to take a nasal spray. It's usually a lesser dosage and see more almost as in the formation of microdosing. And that's mm -hmm. one you'll see people given you know, ketamine was kind of put on the shelf for a long time i mean if you want to get into my, my my feelings on big pharma on how that process works like they, they were not too happy to see ketamine therapy emerging so well because it was helping people people were actually finding resolution to the issues and the complexes that they've had that have caused their depression or caused their anxiety and big pharma was losing their return customers so a lot of the forward movement with it got put on hold until pharma had a way to kind of make it a microdose something that you're going to come back for for more and more um, there's definitely benefits for people that are doing the nasal spray ketamine as well, too. So I don't want to just, you know, I'm not just trying to completely knock that. But if you're looking for some significant work to do uh, when it comes to attending to the depression, to feelings of depression, feelings of anxiety, uh, past trauma, trauma processing, uh, I would encourage you to find a place that does the, uh, the, the IV ketamine protocols with a behavioral health therapeutic interventions you know, throughout the process. Yeah, I was just thinking there's a bunch of like pop-ups with like ketamine and stuff. And it's so important to have someone that you've either established with or can really understand what actually happens in that space. Because some of the stuff that you see, you it doesn't look like anything. But when you say, okay, this is what happened or this is what it felt like, um, I myself experienced it. I, you know, at one point I was like, I felt like Baymax. My therapist was like, oh, I know what that is. I was like, oh, good, because I don't know what that is. But it's really, really important that you find someone or a group that can help you through it because some of the stuff is really, there's no, yeah. it's it's not very, it's not very clear, but yet clear. Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of, there's a growing field of psychotherapists out there that are getting trained and having a better understanding of psychotropic uh, assisted behavioral health therapies, because you also have out there a lot of, you know, materialist uh, psychiatrists and formations of dealing with it where there is a physiological effect that happens in the brain. And some people still feel like the, you know, it doesn't matter how much trauma you've had. It doesn't matter why you're depressed or why you're anxiety. If we, if we just balance out those chemicals in your brain, you should be good. Um, but there's a big space of if you've had a lot of trauma and uh, things in your past, how are you going to reprioritize, reattend to your spaces, you know, life afterwards? You know, ketamine therapy and psychotropics has a beautiful effect. You know, you take some medications like uh, Oxy, right? Your body feels euphoric or feels good because of the medication, but your brain knows I only feel that way because of this drug. So you start to have a desire and a craving for that medication. And psychotropic therapies. These are neuropathways that are available within the mind. They're there. Usually it's been because of something that's happened in your life or in your past that causes us to not want to think about those things any, anymore, not want to feel that way anymore, not want to go to that space in my mind anymore. And your brain, kind of like a, a network of rule roads, you continue to take this path over and over again. I don't want to go that way anymore because of that hurt that happened when I was a kid or, you know, when, in my first marriage. I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to leave myself vulnerable to those spaces anymore. So your mind kind of goes down this pathway of thought, which might be more pessimistic or depressive or, or, or well, however it might be. But you go down that road so often, it starts to become a rut. And now all of your thoughts start to be in that more kind of negative orientation. Uh, this medication helps to attend to those neuropathways that have always been available to you. Think about it as in like all of the roads, all of those networks of the mind get repaved. You know, the path that you haven't taken for a long time, the, the, the nature has taken them over again. Grass has grown through those rural roads. Trees have grown through them again. But through these 
this protocol, all those rows get repaved. That rut, it gets filled up again. That window of plasticity that I mentioned before, it's after these treatments, after these protocols, you have a greater potential to take any action, any any choice, not just the ones that you've just become so familiar and taking over and over and over again in that in that in that space. I mean, sign me up, right? <laughs> okay, so this one is I'm gonna kind of kind of put three in one because I think you can probably hit all three. Um, so does it help with suicidal ideations? Does it help with sleep? And does it help with anxiety? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So suicidal ideations, it's becoming a, a more emergent treatment when people even show up in the emergency room for having these types of, you know, suicidal ideations, suicidal intents um, for like an immediate, mm. an, an immediate treatment modality. Now, once again, that, that can help that person in that, in that space, but it should be followed up with therapy, followed up with treatment to try to help the person unpack all of the events and the consequences of the situations that have kind of like put them into that space. Um, can it help with anxiety? Yes, it can also help with anxiety. You know, it helps to calm down that hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access, that, that, that fight or flight mechanism inside of you. A lot of people talk about these, uh, when, when you do the integration space, a lot of people talk about feeling in this space where they're you know, floating in space or feeling weightless and they realize that they just were not stressed or overburdened or feeling bothered by any of the things that were happening inside of their life. It's, you know, it's a disassociative anesthetic. Um, same thing that they use in a lot of emergencies, administered in a different way, but has the ability to help your body in, the, in that NMDA receptor antagonistic space to, 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 to calm the way that your body would normally react, especially that connection between the the hippocampus and the frontal lobe, which is where a lot of your fight or flight reactions would take place in that space. Um, so it can help with that anxiety space. I tell a lot of people it's kind of like the, the beast or the bear of anxiety inside of you gets put into hibernation while you're, gone, while, you're, while you're underneath that treatment. And then once the treatment's over, it's kind of like real hibernation. The, it's over, but that bear kind of wants to stay in his cave for as long as he can. You know, Noise of life, life outside of that cave will get loud and it'll eventually rouse that bear up. But instead of idling at a seven, like most of us do every day, you'll be in that space where you can feel yourself experience it get to a one. And if you're doing your therapeutic interventions and you're doing grounding work and breath work techniques and like, you know, ways to attend to your anxiety, you can start to learn how to, when I feel it's at a one, instead of saying, nah, that's not that bad. I'm used to it being at a seven. I just don't have to worry about it right now. Bring it back down again. Then the next day, more things happen. You feel like get to a one or a two how to bring it back down again, getting a better sense of what your experience of anxiety is, how your body's physically carrying that anxiety and how to attend to yourself inside of that space because you're able to suppress it, relax it, and then feel, get more introceptive in how your body carries that so you can attend to it as it starts to rise up. Does it help with sleep? So in the space of can it help with sleep, uh, I want to say yes again too. A lot of times people come out of those treatments and they feel great. They feel energized. Like they're like, I don't know what I've been so worried about in a lot of spaces. Every once in a while, we'll get somebody who's just exhausted like they're just like i need to go home and take a nap and a lot of times it's it's those are the ones that have been so chronically overwhelmed with anxiety it's almost like their body's just been fueled by those stress hormones now that we've shut that thing down they need rest like you really need to reset your system and let your body get some rest that is usually that only happens that first session and afterwards they start to feel that rejuvenation space after those treatments as well too so can it help with rest i definitely do think it can help with rest and a lot of people feel um like their dreams are ignited as well too because there's, there's a lot that takes place in the subconscious or the the, the theta wave uh brain waves which is where a lot of your dreams come from as well too you do the protocol you let your mind kind of have some space to exercise within that realm a lot of people would come back and see that their dreams have started to pick up almost like they're still processing and working in a very similar space that they felt that they were in that medicine space too i love that and you all know I've been super open about mental health and what I've dealt with. And one of the things that I really, really thought was just like, wow, 
was um, after my first ketamine treatment, not to feel any anxiety. Like my brain was so quiet. I was like almost hitting my head. I was like, no, no, you got to think of something. I was like, no, no. It's like there's something. They trying to find it. You're trying yes, to find something. I was trying to find something. And I was like, holy moly. Mm-hmm. The thought that not just I, I'm pretty sure it's not just me, but the thought that society lives and thinks that they thrive on a constant. Chronic. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people uh, come out and say they feel lighter. Like there's a weight off of top of the Yes. Brain, you know? like, but to think that we've been taught that we're supposed to be stressed. Like we're supposed to be multitasking. I think multitasking is just a room for like a bunch of errors at once. So that's just my, you know, people will, you know, beg to differ. But I just think you should just, just focus on one thing. And we're so used to just go, 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 go. And we're supposed to do this much where in that space, you're just like there at that. Oh yeah. And for me, it was mind blowing. It, I, I, it's just... I, I love seeing so I, I I love when I see people come out of it and I just see them you know looking at you know like the decorations on the wall <laughs> they're looking at something with so much more intent just it's like I, oh this is a chair yeah, I did not notice <laughs> the details of these things because mm. your brain is just so busy with trying to carry all of these different thoughts of what has happened and how am I going to anticipate to deal with those things that are coming in the future your body metabolizes the ketamine so quickly as well too it's funny when I have a client do the integration the next day and they'll call up and they'll be like i think i'm still a little high right now <laughs> you're not like your your body has metabolized the ketamine out at this point in time perhaps this is what it feels like not to be underneath of that chronic constant weight of anxiety now some people wake up and they feel like they're missing something and they don't realize what they're missing is their anxiety it's like they, it's almost like where's my wallet but it's not your wallet it's this anxiety that you have all the time um, to feel that euphoria of just not carrying that weight is a beautiful thing to see people walk away with yeah i think that was one of my probably the favorite my favorite thing to to experience it was just it was awesome so i know you mentioned about the was it um oxycontin right mm-hmm. uh, about how that medicine kind of works so i kind of um and the question another question we got asked is it, is it addictive mm-hmm. uh, as far as the ketamine and is it good or does it help someone that's in recovery Okay, so not addictive. Studies are showing that there's not addictive. And we're talking about doing it in the clinical setting, right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about, you know, special K behind the club or doing it. Oh you my know, gosh, please don't club. do that. No, not at all. <laughs> we're talking about within the clinical setting, uh, it, they're, they're not seeing signs of addiction okay. coming off of it. It, 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 it. It's not a space where a person's craving that substance. More than anything, they're, they're, they're looking for the clarity of mind and the absence of anxiety and the su- suppression or the reduction of the depressive symptoms that they have after that space. But again, those are all neuropathways that you've always had available to you so in that behavioral health intervention space it's like i'm glad that you're feeling this i'm glad that you're recognizing you know that you don't have to be so worried about it what are you going to do now like what are you going to choose to reprioritize in your life how are you going to rearrange things you can't go back to life the way that you've always been living it and expect things to not change or stay the same like you have to make changes so what are you going to do differently to keep this neural pathway that you've always had available to you, that you were just reminded of, that you were just able to recognize? Uh, how are you going to keep that pathway clear? So it it is not addiction, addictive forming. And what was the other question? Oh, for, for recovery. recovery. Yeah, in a lot of spaces, but especially when, especially with a lot of addictions, there's usually some formation of trauma. There's usually some formations of stress management, trying to uh, escape some cycle of, of, of discomforts, uh, recognizing What's at the what's at the core of all that? Like what's at the center of all that? 
and giving a person space to process uh, those things. What have I been trying to escape, get out of, not try to attend to, not try to feel um, so that they can actually try to get through that and realize they don't need substances to to, to help them just go numb from it. Hmm. A lot of people try to go numb and it's kind of almost like a default thing, thing people do or things that people do. It's just, yeah, you know, it's, what is it, out of sight, out of mind? Yeah. But it's actually not out of mind. They think it is. So we talked about how it helps with sleep, mm-hmm. anxiety. It's not addictive. It helps with recovery, yeah. possibly. Yeah. It okay. Can. It can. It can. Okay. We also talked about how it helps with suicidal ideations and how it gives you the space of that sense of just clarity, you know, to be the, the beginning of healing. Okay, so now let's get to who could not, like, if, if somebody came in, what are some things that you're like, well, this person probably could not get ketamine? Because um, there's cer- certain uh, medical, maybe, diagnoses that may not be suitable for ketamine. Oh, great question. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so unlike a lot of the other psychotropic medications that you hear people talking about, you know, ayahuasca and psilocybin and these, the ketamine is one that when it comes to people on other medications, there's very little complications that we need to worry about that. Matter of fact, people that can't do a lot of other medication spaces can do ketamine therapy and get a lot of those, get those benefits out of it. Now, however, there's some behavioral health diagnoses that would not be, you would not be suited for. And that would include uh, disassociative identity disorder, um, schizophrenia, and uh, bipolar type one. Uh, ones that have like intense mania associated with it as well too. Anything that really has like you know that those intense uh, behavioral patterns that can be uh, or, or or fracturing, splintering of personalities. Hmm, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. It blows my mind. I've done the ketamine, and I still think it's just it's mind blowing all that it does and it and it offers. Do you have anything else that you can think of? Yeah, I think a quick metaphor and kind of a, a detailed explanation of what's happening inside of some of those receptors, but. What, what you're participating in in ketamine therapy is you are consciously participating in a subconscious process. So in that medicine space, your brain waves are going from, you know, we're re- regularly op- talking and operating in beta wave down through alpha into the theta wave, which is where a lot of your dreams are taking place. And you are allowing your consciousness, basically giving it a ticket to a space where it usually doesn't get a chance to attend to. So in a lot of that preparatory work is learning how to be able to be okay, to, to, to let yourself just be in that space. Your job is to do nothing, but don't prevent anything from happening. You don't need to make sense out of this because this is where those other domains of your mind, the, the, the subconscious or unconscious spaces of your mind are able to attend to things. You know, a lot of times we'll talk about, you know, uh, internal family systems when they're talking about these types of treatments and the different parts of our mind and throughout your life, you know, you've had parts of your own psyche that have been injured, we call them the exiles, you know, ones that have tried to run and organize things, the managers, you know, you have the protectors or the firefighters that try to protect the, the, the wounded parts of the brain, put out the fires, even if it causes them to have to break down that door, punch through that wall. Sometimes it's destructive in how they try to protect. They communicate and they, they they attend to each other in a completely different way of communication than we do in our conscious mind. A lot of symbolic manifestations, just like our dreams do. So you are consciously participating in this dream state. And these medications are letting your brain go down into that theta wave. You know, it's, it's a disassociative anesthetic, so it's allowing your body to go numb as long as you let it sit and rest inside of that space. Um, and it's allowing you those other parts of your brain to have this like, you know, this, they, they communicate more through like this cathartic manifestation of experience through, through, through symbolisms and images. Uh, it's like this beautiful interpretive dance of symbolisms, just like your dreams do in a lot of spaces. So it's, a, uh, it's, it's, it's not scary. Um, I think one of the questions I'll jump into was like, am I going to see purple? Oh, uh, pink, uh, pink elephants and aliens. Pink elephants. <laughs> you know, I, I can't say you won't. 
You know, I can't say you won't Maybe see a purple dinosaur. Yes. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You know, Skittle farting unicorns <laughs> and like marshmallow land. A lot of people's first session when they come in, we call it their frame of reference dose because it's their, their ability to get comfortable within that space. You know, a lot of concerns and fears people have uh, to experience that medicine space and the start of it to have maybe even that first conflict with that, you know, what they call like the ego death. I don't like that term so much more like an ego resolution or you have to attend to it. But the images that might come up, there's significance. There's there, there, there's, a, there's a reason why your mind is bringing those images up inside of that space. It might not be concrete, like, you know, like skittle farting unicorns and dinosaurs. It might be colors. Uh, it might be different experiences, sensations, cognitions. Uh, difficult for us to explain what happens inside that medicine space because all of our ways of communicating and the way that we describe stuff comes from this, you know, this this, this physical realm, this physical world. Yeah. All of our words are meant to describe what these meat suits engage with all the time. When you go to a place that's, uh, you know, a very hyper-conscious, uh, you know, theta wave space, your mind can have fractured images and little pieces of things that just elicit emotions and they allow the psyche to attend to the, the, the wounds. When that exile says, hey, I've been hurting for so many years because of this, it might be through the manifestation of an image that releases an emotion. And the next part of your mind is going to say, yeah, but don't you remember this? And it's the next image, which is a soothing, comforting one. It's emotion. And to us, like, this makes no sense. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's not meant to make it sense to us. It's the rest of our mind and our psyche getting a chance to attend to it. That's when you have strong integration. Afterwards, you can start breaking some of those pieces down. And more often than not, like, I'm, I'm wondering if you have the same experience with, like, if you, those pieces and those elements, you're like, oh, that makes sense. You know, with my, the story of my life, with the things that I've been through, it makes sense why my mind would be attending to those different things in those different ways. No, definitely. I, I mean, I remember talking to a dear friend of mine and I was trying to explain to her like what I was feeling and her eyes got bigger and bigger. And, and I was like, oh, you don't you don't get I, I can't even explain to you what I felt or what I saw because it doesn't make sense to her. Mm -hmm. So because they're like, well, what, what happened? And I'm like, I just I feel you just feel different mm -hmm. and it's a good difference. So while you're talking, my, the next question that kind of popped in my head, and this is just me asking, just in case someone's curious, is at, at what point, in what space should should or could somebody be in to say, you know what, I think I want to try ketamine. Because it, it's not, like for me, I was probably at my max of where I felt like I something's got to give. Like, I was just like, okay, I was like, I just, I could just see myself just, just saying, okay, either I do this or I'm not sure what's going to happen. So for me, it was like, I, I needed to do something. Yeah. I, I, I needed to do something. And I felt like I didn't know where to go. Didn't know where to run to. Didn't know what to say. Didn't know how to. And I just thought if this could help, why not? Sure. Yeah. So, so basically my, I was in a state of like desperation. I was like, okay, what, what would it be for me just to be okay, to feel not anxious, not stressed? Like, is that really true? Hmm. So somebody coming in, like, what would be a great indication that, you know, why, why not? Like, what's the, what, what's their mindset should be? Because I came in like desperate. Yeah. Like I was like, somebody please help me <laughs> to be quite transparent, sure, appreciate you know, that. Yeah. Um, I respect but, uh, but, but as far as like, what, what, is, what should it look like? Yeah. As far uh, as I that. Mean, without a doubt, like where you started, we'll start there and like keep working in, in different directions. But I mean, the individuals that are feeling like, you know, they, they're, they're out of options. They don't know where else mm -hmm. to go. You know, it's, 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 I hear it quite often. Like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm 
concerned, I'm afraid, I'm worried about giving that a try, but I feel like I'm out of options. I'm like, well, if you feel like you're out of options, this is an option. Like, let's give this a try. Before you want to quit on yourself and everybody else around you, like, let's definitely give this a try. Uh, if you've been through a lot of trauma and sometimes that story of the trauma that we experienced, that might've been, you know, back when we were a child, that set forward this, this lens, you know, this experiential lens. And I've seen life through the lens of that trauma for the rest of the years of my life. And everything that's happened from that point on forward has been through the lens of that trauma. And then the next series of events happens and I'm walking through with the next two lenses in front of me. And just to have this space to, to, to step out of the old story. Now, there's a lot of times people hear great advice and they're like, yeah, 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 that's really good. That could probably help somebody else, but like not me. You know, maybe somebody else can get benefit from that, but not me. No, usually that advice is good for all of us, but I have to get out of my own way and my own past experiences that have said, that make me think that that's not good for me. Like there's a reason I'm feeling that. And perhaps if I could just step out of my own way, I can let that good advice settle where it needs to be. So people that have been dealing with uh, chronic depression, lifelong depression, seasonal depression, uh, chronic anxieties, you know, feeling like they have and, and, and phobias. I have, I have a fear of something. I have, I have anxiety towards certain things. Uh, it's been pervasive or it keeps coming back up over and over and over again. Past hurts and betrayals, even in that space. Uh, people that struggle with sense of self-worth and self-love. A lot of that comes from experiences that have happened in your life that have spoken some kind of a curse before you or over top of you, made you feel a certain way about yourself. Um, there's there, there's a lot of great spaces I mean, you don't have to just be coming to it from this place of from desperation. This mm -hmm. can also be a space where I'm ready to reframe the way that I see things, to try to look at it differently. I just had a big life change, a uh, big, a, a big career change. Uh, you know, the kids just moved out of the house, or like you know, these things are happening in my life. Big, big, big changes, my, and I, I want to see things differently. I want to, I want to give myself an opportunity to perhaps appreciate it from a different perspective um, and have that differential, the, 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 the disassociative kind of an experience in a, in a healthy, safe space that you can see some of the same things that you've been through or your life from a different lens, different angle. Great answer. Thanks. <laughs> well, and, you know, talking about that, I, I believe everything happens for a reason. So I'm not regretting where I was at times. I'm like, gosh, if I would have just known this a while ago, however, I wouldn't be the person I am today without everything I have gone through. So mm. some things I'm like, eh, that kind of stinks. But at the same time, I'm like, would I be the same person I am today? I mean, that's heavy. That's deep. And that's true. Yeah. That's a whole other episode. Could be. <laughs> no, but you know, you think about, about things and, and everything you go through, mm. good, bad, or indifferent shapes, how you are, how you think, how you treat people. And I think that's not, I think, I know that's the biggest part of, of, when you say disassociative, like you don't think of what ifs, you just look at it and say, eh, and you keep going. And it's like, for the first time you felt like, oh wait, what that person did to me had nothing to do with me. Yep. And you're just like, you just take off that load and you just drop it off. And it's, it's so freeing. Yeah. It's just, I think it's like magic. <laughs> it can feel like that, you know, yeah. the, the, the story that somebody else has told you about your life, just that interaction yes. that you had, you know, being able to look back and realize uh, it, it's, it's not like you're just going back through the time reel of your life and mm -hmm. you got to pause and reframe and relive and re-experience everything. Yeah. You don't have to go through every trauma. Like I mentioned before, a lot of times it's just this manifestation of something, cognition, thought. It can be a color that just releases that feeling. 
um, so that we can have that brought forward and then the rest of your psyche can attend to it the way that it's going to attend to it. And sometimes that just breaks us free of this belief that we've had about ourselves or towards ourselves or towards life and, and different aspects of life. Um, we can't change the past, but you can look at it and you can realize, man, I've, I've carried that for a long time and I don't, I don't need to carry that anymore. And I, I, I can release that. And when you come back to it, when you come back to this space now, you can choose if uh, that decision that I had to make when I was, you know, 12 years old, do I still want to continue to bring that with me? Um, or should I reclaim that part of myself that I had to let go of on that phenomenological walk, reincorporate that part of my inner child, you know, re re reabsorb that individuation process, reabsorb those lost elements of myself. And by doing that, by recollecting those parts of ourselves that we've lost along our journey, perhaps to, I can see today and attend to the things today from a completely different perspective, a completely different lens. I think that's awesome. Okay. I'm just, I'm giving you guys a second just to listen and really like absorb what Adrian just said. Cause it's, it's just, it's just mind blowing, literally mind blowing. I think it's pretty cool. So I, I know you, but I want them to, to know you, um, with what you did, you know, in your background and you had a couple of jobs in between your service and going back to school, mm -hmm. which has probably guided you and helped you to what you've become now and what you started. So can you share a little bit about kind of how everything kind of shifted and share about how they can find you, what you do and what you offer? Okay. Um, One, two, three. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, <laughs> I've had a pretty um, interesting journey, I guess, to get to the space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I did my time in the Marine Corps, um, was uh, joined pre 9 11, um, was infantry, then I went to recon, to force recon, to Marine Special Operations Command. I uh, got medically retired out of that. And then that short time in between, I ended up somehow working with the DOD and NASA. I was the astronaut survival and personal recovery office for a little while. Um, which was interesting, it was fun, great job, but my heart just wasn't feeling called to that. I kept feeling this calling to be working with people and helping people, um, which brought me to go to grad school and become a mental health counselor. And a lot of that also had to deal with my process of getting medically retired and working through the system and working with people that I didn't feel understood me and wanting to kind of be something that I, I wish I had in some of those spaces as well mm -hmm. too. And then when I became a, a practitioner, to kind of recognize how healthcare really is and the struggles that there are in this space and that so much of what is considered best practices is really about medical insurance companies and, yeah. and, and, and what they can get reimbursement for and what they're willing to cover. And that made my heart ache in a lot of different ways, especially working with veterans and first responders. So that's why we started the Sheepdog program up, um, which is uh, a nonprofit that's directed to help veterans and first responders specifically and being able to give them the care and the services that they authentically need, you know, trying to bridge that gap between what providers will be able to give because of insurance limitations or the healthcare limitations, uh, get them to treatment when they need the treatment, um, being able to run like, I mean, from my opinion, like an authentic nonprofit. I mean, everybody that works for it or uh, volunteers for it is a practitioner or in the healthcare field that just completely volunteers their time so that any penny that comes into it goes directly towards actually helping those guys get to where they need or getting the care that they need. Um, and I've been blessed to find some great people that we became, that we created Emerald Medical with. So to, to be a partner of Emerald Medical and be able to serve as the director of behavioral health for it. Um, that's where we are for our open practice for all, for all, all folks of life, all walks of life, yeah. uh, all people <laughs> of the community. Um, so Emerald Medical is the practice that we're at, a full service provider uh, from primary care with our medical side to mental health side as well. 
Um, and then for the, the Sheepdog program, which is where we do the nonprofit work. I will link all the places on the show note. Emerald Medical, the Sheepdog. And you guys have probably seen me post about that because... I just adore and I think it's just the fact of when when we talk about having someone understand when you go to therapy it's really especially when you're a, vet, a veteran a first responder there's so many things that you see hear and do that it's life or not and you come home and one of the things I can think about when I talk about veterans I'm not a first responder but as a veteran you know when a veteran leaves to go to serve I've established that the family is seeing you know this person leave right and we do our tour we do what we need to do we make it home some of us lose friends over there so we make it home and we're a different person but our family is has left or is wanting that same person that left to walk through those doors mm-hmm. and they're no longer there. Yeah. And it is the the hardest thing to to us to understand. I mean, now I think we both understand we're not the same person that left. But when you have the, these young kids, you know, leave 18 years old, leave overseas, come back, they're kind of thinking, wait, is something wrong with me or is it what happened to me? So just having all that understanding and having facilities that help I think is priceless because I, you know, I work with the BTSC support groups and we've teamed up a lot of our clients, the people that I meet around, you're like, this office is like my go-to, you know, I'm like, Oh, I know this person. I know that person. Cause I just, I just believe in what you guys do. So it's been awesome. So I know that you all are at the edge. I think you probably pulled over at this moment because this podcast is so good. Not that the other ones have been good, but I think this is like, it's just, it's really great information. So um, keep the questions coming. If you have any more questions, I think, I believe we could probably do other episodes on this because I know there's a lot more um, that we can talk about. I know um, you mentioned uh, ayahuasca yeah. as well. That could possibly be an episode, maybe. Ta-da. So, um, well, thank you. Again, I miss Christina. Adrian did pretty good. I mean, they both have short hair. So. No, I'm no Christina, so thank you. For <laughs> we don't have wine today, so we're going to cheer with water. So cheers. Thanks. Until next time. Okay, Christina, I guess we finished another episode. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. And if you like this episode as well, don't forget to follow the show and share with a friend. You can also join our High Heels Happy Hour podcast group on Facebook and continue the conversation. Time to put our feet up. The high heels are coming off. School!